Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We are so glad you're with us. We're a Bible-based church from Ontario, Canada, and together we're on a mission to reach people far from Christ and see them become devoted followers of Him. Too many people want to pray, but they don't know how. In this message, we're going to learn how to pray by using the Lord's Prayer as a simple model. We're also going to learn about four behaviors that block our prayers from being answered. With that, let's turn over to Pastor Nate with part two of our Teach Us to Pray series called Model Prayer. Good start to the morning already, hasn't it been? Yeah, thank you. One yes. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you to our team, team for leading. You know, they were all here this morning early practicing and preparing and praying and just getting ready for what God would do in our service today. A couple of things before I kick into the message. Uh, yeah, this week was an interesting week for me. Uh, we were we got to spend uh, three days away with our team, so with our staff team, and we have two LDPs, so these are student leaders who are who are uh, donating their time and, and learning leadership before moving on to other things. And so we had our, our whole team of eight or nine of us all up in the Muskokas, and we got to meet with other partner churches and hang out, which is awesome. At the same time, we had all kinds of stuff going on at the building. So it's been, a bit of a, it's been a bit of a whirlwind and a great week for me to practice what we're going to be talking about uh, this week and next week. So we're in, we're in, the, we're in week two of a three-week message series entitled Teach Us to Pray. Teach Us to Pray. And these words, the title of this message series comes from Luke 11, Uh, One of Jesus' disciples, upon seeing him returning from what would have been a very regular time of personal prayer, Jesus would leave, and he'd come back encouraged, strengthened, renewed vision, and the disciples watched this happen time and time again, and on this occasion, one of the disciples says to Jesus, would you teach us to pray like John taught his disciples? Like, We want to know what you're saying to the Father. We want to know how you're praying so we can pray like you're praying because your prayers work Right? How many of you here want to have prayers at work? Yeah, me, me too. We don't want to just be saying stuff. We actually want to have prayers that God hears and answers. And so we're kind of, we're kind of honing in on this theme of prayer over these next few weeks. You know, prayer is an interesting thing because if you're new to prayer, if you're new to church, the idea of talking to someone you can't see, it's kind of weird. And what's crazy about that, though, is that regardless of where you go in the world, in any culture, any religion, any place, people pray. It's almost like it's the language of the soul. It's almost as though we as human beings were created to converse with our Creator. It's wired into us. And even if you don't believe in God or prayer, when things get uh, tough enough, you also pray, (laughs) whether you admit it or not. And so what we want to do is learn how to pray. If you grew up in church, then my chances are that you feel like you don't pray enough, right? said last week, who here prays too much? And nobody put up their hand. Nobody did, right? Because we're all like, I should pray more. I, I should do this better. If you're, if you're new to faith, if you're exploring faith, if you're trying to discover what this is all about, then for you, prayer could be really intimidating. It's like, I don't know what to say. And so as we go through this message series, we're learning how to pray. The really important thing that we started with last week that I need to just take a moment to recap is this. That God wants to have a relationship with you. If you don't believe that, your prayer life will be pretty flat. But if you believe that the God of heaven who created you exactly the way you are, loves you, and wants to have a relationship with you, then prayer takes on an entirely new meaning. Because as we said last week, relationship requires communication. And communication is two-way. It's not just me hearing about you, but it's me asking and talking and we're connecting. And it's through our conversations that we connect relationally. And God wants to connect with you. And we learn that there are three ways we do that. Number one, reading the scriptures. We learn who God is, what He said to us, all of those things. 
Then uh, we incorporate a relationship with other people within the church. God will speak to us, encourage us, strengthen us through the people around us. And the third way we talked about was through prayer. And of course, like public prayer is really important. This morning we prayed as a, as a community. Uh, after church, we'll offer an opportunity uh, if you want to receive personal prayer. All of that is wonderful, but none of it is a replacement for your personal prayer with God. I find it interesting to note that Jesus most often prayed alone. He had a dynamic relationship with the Father. And God wants to have a dynamic relationship with you as well. And we do this through, uh, through prayer. So last week as we ended the service, I gave you a little challenge. I said, hey, would you find a time and a place? And just even take 30 seconds, 2 minutes, 5 minutes, 10 minutes. And talk to your Father. So I hope that went well. Uh, if you didn't do it, don't feel guilty. Just start today. But I want to encourage you to continue to find a time and a place. And today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. Because Jesus is going to give his disciples and give us a model, a a way to think about prayer and a way to approach prayer. But before Jesus shares it, in Matthew's Gospel, in Matthew 6, uh, beginning in verse 5, Jesus actually gives a few warnings uh, about prayer to help clarify. And I think this is really important. He says this. He says, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by men. (laughs) It is very tempting, especially if you grew up in church, to pray publicly and to look spiritual. But in reality, in your private life, there's really not much happening. And it's actually possible for us to do spiritual things. So I can volunteer to be seen, not volunteer because I love God. You understand what I mean? Uh, I can give a big donation and attach my name on a plaque and everyone sees it for the next 30 years and goes, Wow, Nathan is so generous. So I can do things to be seen by others or I can do things to be seen by God. And I want to encourage you that the second is way, way better. Jesus says, don't be like that. Don't pray to be seen. He says, truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. Okay, Jesus says, if you're you're doing stuff to be seen, you've got your reward when people see you. But he says instead, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So Jesus actually tells us that if we really want to get real with prayer, we should get alone, close the door where no one can see us or hear us, and there we pray to our Father who sees everything. And that's powerful. You know why? Because you won't pray like that unless you believe God is listening to you. I grew up in church and I used to see people all the time and they would act a certain way at church and they were like dressed right and they said all the right words and then I would see them at school or in the workplace and their language was different, their attitude was like, they were not Christians, they were only Christians at church, which seemed to indicate to me that they were putting on a show for other people. See, what you do in private actually reveals what you truly believe. And when you go by yourself, when nobody sees, nobody hears, your kids can't see you, your spouse can't see you, and you are by yourself and you're talking to your Father in heaven, you only do that because you believe that He actually hears and answers prayer. So Jesus is like, do that, do that. He gives us a warning in verse 7. He says, when you're praying, don't use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose they will be heard for their many words. No matter where you go in the world... No matter what religion, there's often repetitious prayer involved. Maybe you've seen this, right? Somebody will have some beads, or somebody will have some stairs they pray on, or somebody will have something that they do, and it's repetitious. And they say the same thing over and over and over again. And it's, the idea is this. If I do it enough, I'll get God's attention. If I do it enough, I'll show my devotion and God will answer me. So it's really it's about me. And Jesus is like, don't do that. Don't make it about repetition Don't be like them. He says, your father knows what you need before you even ask him. 
Um, for many people, there's this fear when it comes to prayer that I, I just don't know the right things to say. And I was thinking about this story. When I was first in ministry, this is ooh, over 20 years ago. Uh, maybe you don't know this, but I was an associate pastor at a, at a church in Trenton uh, when I was a young man. And, and I remember this one day, the, the senior pastor, who I really respected, was struggling. I don't know what it was. Family issue, marriage issue, mental health, I'm not sure. But he was definitely, you could just see, he was under, the, he was under it. He was feeling this weight. And uh, so after church, as people were falling out of the church, all the elders of the church gathered around the pastor and started to pray for him. They spotted me, the associate pastor. And they're like, you need to come and pray. Like they needed to bring in the big dog, you know. <laughs> And so they called me over, and I walk into the situation, they're like, he's really struggling, would you pray? And they're all like gathered around, like around the pastor, and I put my hands on them, and they're like, and they're all looking at me, like waiting for this spiritual, you know, seminary trained prayer that's going to have all these scriptures, and I'm just standing there, I'm like, I don't know what the situation is, I don't know what to pray, I don't even know what's going on. And in that moment, I made a decision. The only thing I know is that God knows what's going on. The only thing I know that has the power to break whatever's going on in his life is the name of Jesus. And I put my hands on him and all I said was Jesus. And I just said it a few more times because I didn't know what else to pray. And as I did that, the presence of God filled the space. Something lifted off him. And at the end of the day, I was like, this is so amazing. And I'm like, I did nothing. Because it's not about what we do. It's about what he does. And if you don't know what to pray, you can just say the name of Jesus. It has the power to break chains. It has the power to set you free. It has the power to save us. And so, again, sometimes we just think we have to have all this stuff figured out. And sometimes we just need to trust in the God who hears and answers prayer. Are you with me? Is this encouraging anybody? Some of you are like, I can do that. I can pray the name of Jesus over my kid. Yes, you can. Um, and so Jesus says, don't, don't just keep saying stuff, you know. And the reason why I think this is so important is because Jesus then goes on to say, he says, pray then in this way. And I want to highlight this because depending on your background, you might think that saying the Lord's Prayer is something you just do repetitiously. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our Father, hallowed be thy name. When we're doing that, we're actually doing the very thing Jesus said not to do. Don't just think that a hundred Our Fathers is going to change the situation. Don't just say it repetitiously. That, that's not the point. He says, pray in this way. So the, the Lord's Prayer, while we can pray it, is actually given to us as a model prayer. It is something that shows us how we are to pray. And so I want to look at the Lord's Prayer really briefly with you this morning. I'm going to look at the version of it that's found in Luke 11, which is our, our theme chapter. And I like the, the, the version of it in Luke 11. It's actually a little more short. It's a little more concise than Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer. And uh, so I want to just show you that in this prayer, there are sort of three movements, three things. Three simple things. And you can incorporate these three simple things as you pray. Let me tell you what they are, and then we'll walk through them each, uh, one at a time. The first thing we do when we pray is we acknowledge God. Okay? The second thing that we do is we align ourselves with God. And the third thing we do is we ask for the things we need. Triple A. Okay? So you're in distress, you can call triple A. Okay? So it's, it's super simple. Okay? Three things. And I want to talk about them. First one is acknowledge God. And here's how Jesus says it. He says, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. I talked a bit about this last week, so I won't spend a lot of time on it. But the idea of Jesus using this word Abba, which means Daddy, was so personal, so relational. This, this would have been significant, just hearing him talk about and address God in this way. And he teaches us to approach God as our Father. We talked last week about 
approaching God boldly. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy, set apart, revered is your name. And, you know, here's the thing that I want you to take away from these two simple sentences. Acknowledging God is the way to start praying. When we acknowledge God, what we do is we actually declare who he is. You know, sometimes when I go to pray, what I want to do is actually just tell God who he is. God, you are so faithful. You are so kind. You have done so much for me. Even when I'm faithless, you are faithful. I'm standing here because of you. You are holy. You are righteous. I'm just telling him. And you might say, like, does God need to be reminded of who he is? No. I need to be reminded of who he is. Because I need to remember who I'm talking to. I need to remember that the the person that I'm talking to has the power to change my situation. The person I'm talking to has saved me and loved me when I was not lovable. And so it's so incredible to do that. The second thing we do when we acknowledge God is we actually invite him into the situation. I need a a couple volunteers. Uh, Jackson, do you mind jumping up here and helping me? Yes, come on up here. I just want to illustrate something that actually happened to me while I was away at the conference. I need one. Kelly, do you want to join us as well? Can you jump up here? Um, uh, yeah, sorry, I woke Kelly up. Uh, right. Okay, so Kelly and, I, Kelly and I are here, stand towards me, so we're having a conversation. So this actually happened to me at the conference. Uh, there were a couple of pastors uh, talking, and they're both people I know. And I saw them, and I kind of went over to talk to them, but they were deep in conversation. You're going to come around and try to join us, but we're just, you know, we're sitting here talking like this. And, and, and Jackson's me, he's coming over, yeah, and they're having this conversation. And yeah, so this is about what's happening for about a minute. And like no eye contact, no, yeah, no, no, we're just, right? And so here's what's crazy. I'm standing there and I'm like, okay, clearly I, I, there's something going on. I'm not, you know, part of this conversation. So I went, was about to walk away and one person did one of these. And they just opened their body towards me and smiled and said, hey, Nathan, join us. And the reason I want to illustrate this to you is because when we acknowledge God, when we begin to pray, all we're doing is this. We got our situation we got our life going on, and when we acknowledge God, we're just literally opening our posture to Him and saying, I'm recognizing you're here, and I'm inviting you into it. Can you give these guys a round of applause? Thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Now, it's a simple illustration, but how often in our lives are we going through things, and God is like right there waiting to engage with us, waiting to help us, and we're, we're not even acknowledging Him. Something powerful happens when we go to God in prayer and we just go, I recognize you're here with me. That, that statement alone. When you wake up in the morning, you don't feel like getting out of bed because of what you're going to face that day. And you just stop and say, God, I recognize that you're here with me. I'm not alone. And I just invite you to walk through this difficult day with me. All you're doing is changing your posture just a little bit to acknowledge him and invite him into the situation. That is the first thing that Jesus teaches us to do when we pray. The second thing that he teaches us to do is to align ourselves. Now, it's so interesting uh, to me because uh, when we come to God in prayer, we often ask God, like, God, change my spouse. Change my financial situation. Change my health diagnosis. Like, we want God to change things, and he has the power to change things. And so we're like, God, I want you to bring my world into alignment to me. And actually what Jesus tells us to do is to bring our world into alignment with him. And that's the next thing he does. He says to align ourselves. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So many times, um, God is wanting to do something here and we're over here. 
And there's something out of alignment in our life. Jesus actually teaches us when we pray to not only acknowledge God, but then to bring ourselves into alignment with what he's doing, with what he's, his will is for us. And so what I want to do, as I mentioned, I was away this week. So today's message is a hybrid sermon. You're going to hear in just a moment from a very special guest speaker, a skinnier version of myself. Uh, it's actually me five years ago. And, and I want to share this clip. It's about 15 minutes long, but... Uh, this is what I was speaking on. I was, I was talking about the things that hinder our prayers. So you come to God and you're praying and you're asking God to change the situation. And often God wants to change you so that he can change the situation. And there are things in our life that actually bring us out of alignment. And we're wondering why our prayers aren't answered. And I'm going to share with you in this video clip four different ways that we bring ourselves into alignment. And then I'll come back up and talk about the last point at the very end. So we'll roll it. Thanks, Henry. And I want to share with you today four ways, four ways that we hinder our prayers. The first one is this, a lack of faith, a lack of faith. Uh, Jesus shows up in a particular uh, town in Matthew 13, and it says he did not do many mighty works because of their unbelief. In other words, Jesus shows up in a particular town, and he wants to do these things. He wants to heal people. He wants to do all these amazing things. And yet the people rejected him, didn't believe that he could do any of it. And so guess what? He didn't do any of it. Their unbelief limited what he wanted to do. And this is true in our lives. Like our failure to believe God and trust him limits what he will do in our lives. We see this over and over and over again in the scriptures. Did you know that sometimes when we pray to God and we ask him for things, sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no. And sometimes the answer is wait. And if it's yes, and we get the thing we asked for, we strut around like, oh yeah, prayer warrior, super spiritual. I did it again. My faith is strong. And when he says no, it's like, what happened? And we throw up our hands and we go, I thought it was going to go this way. My expectations were that God was going to give me all this stuff that I asked for and it didn't happen. And, so now, and it's in those moments, not when you get a yes, but in the moments when you get a no or a wait, that you truly get to figure out where your faith's at. Because it's in that moment that you have to ask the question, is my faith in a good God that wants good things for me? Is my faith in Him or is it in the result that I was expecting? And sometimes people talk about faith like it's some miracle formula or potion that allows me to get everything I want. You know? God, you said this and this, bam, Maserati. And that would be awesome. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with a Maserati. Hey, if you work hard, you can have nice things. Just don't forget to be generous. We're going to get to that in point four. Faith is not about me getting stuff for me. Faith is about, I trust my heavenly father, that he is a good father who wants good things for me. And regardless of what I see in my circumstance, I'm trusting him. I'm trusting him. I'm trusting him. And there are examples throughout scripture of people who trusted God through the highs and lows. And it was a great faith that was attributed to them. So, a lack of faith. When you're running around panicking, that's not faith. I'll just tell you that. It's not faith. Trusting in God. He's got this. He's got me. I trust him. I trust him in spite of what I see. That is faith. And so we want to have a faith and a trust in God. When we do that, it it breaks off the limits of our prayers. So the first thing that limits our prayers is a lack of faith. Here's the second one. Selfish motives. Selfish motives will hinder your prayers. James chapter 4 verse 2 says this. You have not because you do not ask. So James is writing to some people in a church, 
And he says this, he's like, you're not getting what you need because you're not asking, you're not praying. But then he adds another layer. He says, you ask and you don't receive, you're not getting the thing you're asking for because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. In other words, he says, the reason you're asking for it is wrong. The thing you want to do with the answer to your prayer is wrong. And that's why God isn't answering your prayer. When I was in uh, high school, I was kind of a nerdy kid. I know that surprises some of you, but I was. And, uh, but I always played the guitar, and so I worked really hard on my guitar playing skills um, at home in private. And then I really caught on to the Garth Brooks. And some of you guys remember Garth Brooks. He was top of the charts, big, big name at the time. This was back in the, in the mid-90s. And so I learned a bunch of his songs. And then one day, I think it was in grade 11, going into grade 12, I, pu- I brought my guitar to school. And I sat in the hall playing Garth Brooks' love songs and all the girls gathered around. I was like, wow, this is powerful. And one of the songs, one of the songs that I used to sing that everyone would ask me for was this song called Unanswered Prayer by Garth Brooks. And, and in the song, some of you may know it, in the song Garth Brooks says, hey look, um, he tells this story about this young man who saw this girl and he was like, I want her. And he prayed and prayed and prayed and said, God, if you just give me her, then everything would be great and I'll, you know, I'll give you everything if you just give me her. Of course, God doesn't answer the prayer. And then later, I think it's in the second verse, he, he kind of, he runs into this, this girl that he wanted and he prayed that God would give him. And now he's married and he has these beautiful kids. And he looks at his wife and his kids and he looks at this girl that he said was the only thing that would satisfy him. And he's just like, I thank God for unanswered prayer. It's like, oh yeah, you actually knew what was best for me. And I'm so glad that you didn't answer that prayer because maybe your motives are wrong or maybe you've got the wrong deal. So, Selfish motives will hinder our prayer. Because again, if we believe that he's a good father and he wants good things, he won't give us things that are bad for us. So when your six-year-old son says, can I have a shotgun? The answer is, no, you'll kill your sister. You're not, we're not doing that, right? And, and so sometimes we're mad at God, like, why wouldn't you give me that? He's like, because it's harmful for you. You want to use it for the wrong reasons. Some of us, if God gave us a bunch of money, it would destroy us. Some of us, if God gave us power, we would misuse it, right? And so, so God is not going to answer prayers that are driven by selfish motives. Uh, John, one of Jesus' disciples, said this in his letter to the church. He said, this is the confidence we have toward him, that if we ask anything, what's that say? According to his will, he hears us. In other words, if we're asking for things that are bad for us, that he doesn't want for us, he's not going to answer. We're limiting it. But if we will bring ourselves into alignment with what he wants for our lives, then all of a sudden the floodgates open and the prayers are answered. See, my kid asked me for $20. Um, what's the first question I'm going to ask my child? Anybody know? For what? I saw people saying, for what? Yeah, for what? And if, and if my kid says to me, Dad, uh, I need 20 bucks," And I say, for what? He says, I'm going to buy a bunch of candy and junk food and watch TV all day. Well, you know what the answer is, right? You're going to share it with me? No. <laughs> No, no, that's, that's a question. The answer is no. The answer is no. No, you're not going to have that. Now, take the exact same circumstance. My kid comes along and says, I need 20 bucks. What for? Well, there's this kid in my class, and his dad just lost his job. And he can't come on the field trip, and I'd like to pay for him. Guess what? My wallet is wide open. Right? Because of the motive. The motive actually matters, right? So, so, so God, and this is the amazing thing, he, is, he discerns the intentions and the motives of our heart. So you can't even trick them. Because you could trick your parents. Dad, I need to help my friend at school and buy candy. You could do that. But it doesn't work with God. He sees the motives of our heart. 
And he won't answer our prayers if he knows it will harm us or harm other people. So selfish motives need to be addressed if we truly want to unhinder our prayers. Here's the third thing that I wanted to uh, address today. Willful disobedience will hinder your prayers. Isaiah, the prophet, says this in Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. He says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that he cannot hear. He's, what he's saying is, you know, God's in heaven, and his arm isn't too short to reach you. Just picture it. You're like reaching up to God, and he's like, I'm sorry, I can't reach. Jack! That's the scene from Titanic. Um, it's like the hand lets go, and he sinks. But God is not in heaven going, I can't reach you, you're too low. You see, you're never too low. You're never too low for him to reach you. You're never too far for him to find you. It's not that God can't reach you. He goes on to say, it's not that he can't hear you. He hears every prayer. But notice what it says in the next verse. We need to take notice of this. He says, but your iniquities, my iniquities, our sin, our disobedience to God, have made a separation between you and your God. And he says, your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. He can hear you. He's not answering because you're living in willful disobedience to him. See, sometimes we forget this. And I, my wife and I, we have four kids. And one of the things that we've tried to do with our kids, we're far from perfect parents. But there's this really basic principle that we've tried to teach our kids. And if you ask them, they would probably tell you. If you do bad things, and they would respond, bad things happen. It's like the sowing and reaping law, right? You do evil, it gets punished. You do good, it gets rewarded. That's just a basic premise, the way the world works, right? And, and sometimes as parents, we fail to teach our kids this because when they do the wrong thing, we block them from the consequences of the wrong thing. And essentially what we teach them if we fail to do this as parents is we teach them that they can do the wrong thing and nothing bad happens which will actually lead them into destruction because they don't understand. When I do bad things, bad things happen. When I do good things, good things happen. And one of the problems with this is that often is that often we do the wrong thing and guess what happens? Nothing. Right? You tell a lie. You didn't get caught. You look around and you're like, oh, this lying thing is pretty good. And so you take another step and you do something else you shouldn't do. And you look around and you're like, hey, nobody got caught. I didn't get punished. It's okay. And you keep going and you keep going and you keep going and you think this is great. Here's the thing. When you willfully disobey God and live contrary to what he teaches us, it will destroy you. It may not happen tomorrow. It may not happen a year from now. It is coming. It is coming. Okay? Jesus tells it this way. He tells a parable about two people who build houses. And he says, he who hears my words and does them is like, a, is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. And he who hears my words and doesn't do them, willful disobedience, is like a person who builds a house on the sand. So you can imagine your little, your little hut on the beach. And you've got the tiki torches and you've got the little twinkle lights and you've got your Adirondack chair and your Trex decking and it's, everything's beautiful. You know, off of uh, Home and Cottage magazine. It's just like, wow. And you're sitting there enjoying life and Jesus says, all of a sudden, a storm comes up. And life will bring storms. And that storm comes, and when it hits that house that's sitting on the sand, guess what happens to the whole thing? In an instant, it's destroyed. And some people mistakenly, mistakenly think 
that because God is gracious and he's not punishing you today, that there's no punishment coming, that nothing bad will happen. I'm telling you, friend, if you willfully disobey God, you're headed for destruction. And here's the beautiful thing. It's not God's position that's changed. It's yours. He's still ready, willing, able. He can forgive. He can save. But you're running the other way. And so willful disobedience will hinder our prayers. I'll just say this. Um, check your conscience. That's something each of us can do. Check your conscience. If there's something there, it's affecting your prayer. Does that make sense? If there's something going on inside you, like, I know I should do this, or I know I shouldn't do that, but I'm doing it anyway. I'm running away from God. Check your conscience. If there's something there, it will be affecting your prayer 100%. Here's the fourth and final thing that will hinder your prayers and mine. Mistreating other people. You go, really? How does... How does mistreating other people affect my prayers? Well, there are many passages I could point you to to show you that this is true, but the, my favorite is found in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. And uh, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, is writing to the early church. He's writing to Christians, people who believe in Jesus, and he's addressing husbands. Now, if you're a husband in this place, this is for you. If you're not a husband, if you're a wife, if you're single, if you're a teenager, this principle still applies to you, but we'll begin where he begins. Husbands, he says... Live with your wives in an understanding way. Now that, in our Western culture, that makes total sense. Like, of course, how would you not live with your wife in an understanding way? Uh, But this was written in the first century. Rome. Women were the property of their dads. When they got married, in some respect, they became something like the property of their husbands. Women were not educated like men. They were not treated as equals in many cases. And he's like, hey, if you're following Jesus, here's what you're going to do. You're going to choose, even though you don't have to by law, you're going to choose to live with your wife in an understanding way. You're going you're to talk to her. You're going to listen to her. You're going to understand her. This is radical teaching, folks. Not for us, but for them, this was radical. And then he continues, showing honor to the woman as to the weaker vessel. Now, some of the ladies are going to be like, weaker vessel, what are you talking about? Track with me. In the first century, most of the labor that was done was physical labor. You went to war, you harvested crops, you plowed fields. It was very demanding, rigorous physical labor to survive at that time. We don't live... When was the last time somebody here tilled a garden? Maybe a few of you did a little patch in your yard. But men were better at a lot of the things that drove the economy, and men believed themselves to be superior because of their physical strength. Right? And today we live in a different economy where we have service and information economy and and women are surpassing men in many aspects and we think about equality in different terms today. But he's like, look, in spite of the fact that you think women are weaker physically, which in general they were, you're going to honor the woman. This is radical teaching in the first century. That the men thought, oh, well, we're smarter, we're better at everything, we all this stuff. He's like, no, you're going you're gonna to actually understand her and you're going to honor her and lift her up. That's the way Christ taught us to live with one another. And then he tells why. He says, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. He's like, legally right now in Rome, men might be here and women might be here, but in God's kingdom, you're here side by side, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of God. So you better, you better treat her well. I don't care what the law says. It's good stuff, isn't it? I'm encouraged by it. But then he says this, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Think about this. Husbands, the way you treat your wives will determine whether God hears your prayers or not. You mistreat her, you abuse her, you don't understand her, you manipulate her, you take control over her, God will stop hearing your prayers. 
Wives, if you dishonor your husbands, antagonize them, whatever you're going to do, it's going to hinder your prayers. Children, if you're disobedient, dishonoring to your parents, it will hinder your prayers. This goes beyond this. It goes, the, the way you treat the people at your workplace will affect whether God listens to your prayers or not. Whether you, whether you help other people with your hands, with your finances, it will ultimately affect. Jesus told a, a story. He said, hey, if you come to God, if you come to the temple where God lives and you have this sacrifice and you want to give the sacrifice to God so that you and God can have a good relationship, and he says, if while you're there you remember that you have something against someone or someone has something against you, there's, there's, there's trouble in relationships and you can do something about it, he says, leave your gift at the altar and go. Be reconciled. Go do what you can do to fix this before you come and try to fix this. That the relationships we have with people and how we live with the people that we're with impacts our relationship with God. Awesome. So, like that's, uh, that's pretty helpful. There are four different things that put us out of alignment with God. And so as we come to him in prayer, right, we acknowledge him, we invite him into the situation. Second thing, we begin to say, is there something in my life that's out of alignment so that I can adjust? Uh, The third and final movement of the Lord's Prayer is simply to ask for the things that we need. Now, I don't really have to talk about this one a lot because this is usually what we do when we pray, isn't it? We come like, God, here's what I need. Here's my situation. Fix it. Change it. Uh, so Jesus actually tells us to bring our requests and ask, but actually it's the last and final thing and not the first thing. I don't know if you've ever had a person in your life and every time you see them, they ask you for something. It's not much of a relationship, is it? And so Jesus does say to ask, to ask for the things we need. He says it in this way, give us this day our daily bread, what we need. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So Jesus says, pray that God would provide you the things you need. That he would forgive you as you forgive others. And that he would lead you and guide you. And so he invites us to ask. Now, there's, there's two things I want to do um, today. First, let me, give you, let me give you a tool. Is that cool? Um, there's actually an app that you can get for your phone. You can get an Android, you can get an Apple, whatever you use. And it's called Lectio 365. I think we've got a little graphic we can throw up. And uh, yeah, so there you'll see it. Up on the left, there are sort of two prayer movements in the day. And then on the right, you can kind of see how it works. And it uses the model of the Lord's Prayer. And so for some of you who may be new to prayer, you'd say, like, I don't really know how to do this. Uh, this app is a, great, it's a great tool. It takes about 10 minutes. And you open it up, and it'll just read you a scripture. And then it'll have you pause and reflect, and it'll have you sort of orient yourself. It'll just kind of walk you through the various movements. So if that's something, if a tool is helpful to you, I wanted to let you know about that. It's something you can download. It's free. And you can use that in your prayer time. And it will be a responsive prayer time, which I'm going to actually lead you guys through in just a moment. Um, It's one thing for me to stand up here and tell you about prayer. You know, acknowledge God, align, and ask. Acknowledge, align, ask. You're like, great, that's helpful. Frame, three A's, got it. It's one thing to hear something or see it. It's another thing to do it. Uh, I get to coach sports, and you can do a demonstration and show all the kids how to do a certain thing, and then they all try it, and it's horrible. And they have to keep working at it until they get it, right? And I think the same is true with prayer. So many times we come to church, you guys listen to somebody on stage pray, but I want to invite you guys, if you're willing, to to pray a responsive prayer uh, with me today as we kind of wrap things up. And so what we're going to do is, um, 
Yeah, we're just going to walk through these these three movements of the Lord's Prayer. If you're not comfortable with it, you can just sit in silence. And if you are, we're just going to kind of take 30 seconds. And so the first thing we want to do today is just acknowledge God's presence. And you can do this in your in your mind, in your heart. You can use your mouth, whatever you want to do. We just want to take 30 seconds right now. And if you're willing to engage with this, just begin right now just to tell God who He is and what He's done for you. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for all you've done for me, for health, for my family, the ways in which you've loved me when I was unlovable, how you've forgiven me when I did not deserve it. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you are supremely powerful. You are in control, sovereign over all things. And you're at work in my life. And I just acknowledge you and invite you to be present with me as I walk through the rest of this Sunday. I want to invite you in your own words just to acknowledge God and invite Him into your life right now. The second thing we're going to do is align ourselves. And this is, this gets personal because every single day and every moment there's opportunities for us to adjust. And maybe today as we're praying, um, the Spirit of God's putting something on your heart. Maybe it's a relationship that's broken. Maybe there's unforgiveness or bitterness in your heart. And it's blocking your prayers. And God wants you to take a step. And the first thing to do is just acknowledge it. And let God know what's going on so that you can bring yourself into alignment. So just take a moment and allow the Spirit to guide you through this process of acknowledging and aligning your heart. The the final step in the sequence is to ask for the things that we need. And... uh, This is obviously the easiest one. It's the one that we often are like, I know exactly what I need. Sometimes we don't ask God for the things we need because we feel we don't deserve it. Can I just tell you, God does not answer your prayers because you deserve it. He answers our prayers because Jesus paid it all. He answers our prayers because He loves us. It's out of His goodness, not our goodness. And so some of you just aren't even asking. You're not asking in faith. You're not expecting because you feel like you don't measure up. Can I just tell you to throw that, that lie out? God answers prayers because of who He is, not because of who you are. So just take a moment and ask God for the things you need, whatever's going on in your life, and just pray to Him in your own words. Now, if you if you found this process at all helpful, this is Lectio 365 is what it does. Walks you through prayer time, gives space, music, and so it allows you to walk through a process like that. So it's a tool that you can use. Um, in just a moment, I'm going to pray for you guys, and I'm going to dismiss the service. But I wanted to leave space. We don't always do this every Sunday because we often have announcements, and I just want to leave space. If you just want to sit and talk to God, I want encourage you to do that. Jason's going to keep playing for us. So if you're not interested in that, you can grab a coffee, head out quietly, chat in the lobby. Um, if you really just need someone to stand and pray with you, you can come find me, one of our pastors, leaders, just maybe even just someone in your row that you trust. Just ask them, hey, would you pray with me? Let's just have some time to pray. So let me pray for you and we'll dismiss. Father, thank you for every person listening to me today. I thank you that you are present wherever your people gather. And Lord, we want to, as individuals and as a church, orient ourselves towards you to open our posture and invite you into our lives, into our homes. 
into our situation and into our space. And God, as we do so, would you help us to bring ourselves into alignment that the floodgates of heaven would be open, that we would be able to receive all that you have for us. God, today as we ask you for the things we need, we look forward in anticipation to what you're going to do in our lives and in this church. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, that's it from us. Thank you so much for joining. Please stay connected with us. Be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's Pathway Church PTBO. Hey, God is at work in this world, and we feel so blessed that we get to be a part of what he is doing. Have a great day wherever you're at, and we hope to see you soon.